Hi, I'm Paul Camillos. Join me and my co-host Jacinta Gavin for Series 4 of Shooting the Breeze. We cover women's hoops and women in hoops. We talk to inspiring players, amazing coaches and the legends behind the scenes and at the grassroots of the game. During this series we'll be covering the FIBA Women's World Cup where the 12 best teams of the planet are coming to Sydney. And of course, we'll be covering Australia's longest running women's professional sporting league, the WNBL, in its 43rd season. Hit that subscribe button, like and review so we can get more Hoops content to you. You've got to have that passion and drive and yeah, you get knocked back a few steps but like keep pushing forward and know that you know anything's possible if you put your mind to it and you put in the hard work you will eventually get recognized and yeah i just want to reiterate that there's so many opportunities you don't have to take the traditional pathway you don't have to go to college there's there's different opportunities different ways of doing things continuing our kiwi themed pods this week we meet up-and-coming New Zealand baller Zoe Richards, who played in the inaugural Toihi League with the Southern Hoiho in her hometown of Dunedin on the South Island. Zoe has been posting amazing numbers with her team in Luxembourg and has been relishing her impact role as an import. We talk about her college years in smaller US towns and a pivotal conversation with a mentor in her senior high school year that spurred her work ethic as a self-confessed low-key player that never got the limelight Zoe decided she'd work harder than the stars and work hard she did. Her journey was an unconventional entry into the New Zealand Tall Ferns and she shares that unexpected phone call to suit up for the national team as well as her hero player presenting her with the national team jersey and it's a name well known to Aussies in the WNBL. Having played in the NBL1, Zoe would love to return down under and, like her role models before her, suit up for the WNBL one day. Finally, we want to thank our roving New Zealand hoops expert, Lyndon Moore, for taking the mic on this episode and sharing our journey at Shooting the Breeze to elevate women's hoops from around the world. Enjoy. Welcome to Shooting the Breeze. Today, again from New Zealand, I'm joined with Lyndon Moore and our guest on the show today is Zoe Richards. Zoe, welcome to the show. It's great to have you here. Hello, yeah, thank you so much for having me on your show. First thing, obviously in Australia, we don't always get a lot of information on what's happening in New Zealand. It's starting to change, and it certainly started to change with the Tauihi League. So can you just give us a little bit of background about yourself? Yeah, okay. So like I said, I'm Zoe Richards. I'm from Dunedin, um, New Zealand's in the South Island, and I'm 25. I was actually born in Auckland, but I've lived in Dunedin my whole life. Um, I have a twin sister who also played basketball. So we went to college after high school. And then, yeah, I wanted to progress my basketball career after that. And so I decided, you know, it was during COVID, so it was a bit tricky, but I went and played in the NBL1 West League. And then after that, I went back and decided to play in the New Zealand Ihi League. And then this past season... Um, I was lucky enough to get an opportunity to come to Europe and play in the Luxembourg League over here. 
that's kind of like a wee short roundup about kind of my basketball career as such. Oh, that's that's fantastic. You've had so many experiences and I haven't gotten to know you over the past couple of years and I know it's I think it seems like you've been getting a little bit more exposure with Tohi, which is great. And especially coming from as you mentioned Dunedin, which has I'm gonna say a fairly big basketball presence with obviously there was Demi the Gold Rush in the WBC, the Nuggets in the NBL, but just also representative landscape as well. And so building up, I wanna go if you can go all the way back um, to kind of where your career started down there. Yeah, I can go all the way back to high school. So, or even actually, I started playing basketball when I was about 13, 14. So it was a bit later because, yeah, I have a twin sister and we decided um, we were kind of encouraged to play separate sports. But I was jealous because she was going on the all, all the fun trips. And so I decided to play basketball after she started playing. And so, you know, growing up, we were quite both very competitive with each other and um, we made the rep teams, but we were always kind of like the girls that kind of blended in the background. We didn't really stand out too much. Even in high school, like we had a really good high school team, but yeah, we, you know, we were kind of like more of the quiet players, didn't really stand out too much. And so for me growing up, like I never made any New Zealand representative team or anything, but I think when was it? Second to last year of high school, I think it was, Mark Dickel. I'm not sure if you guys know him, but he came down to New Zealand and took on like the development role in Dunedin um, as a coach. And so he kind of sparked this goal of mine, idea that I could, you know, if I train hard, I work hard, you don't have to be the best player in your town right now. But like if you put in a hard work, anything's possible. And so, you know, that was something that I was like, okay, I'm going to, I really want to train hard and see what doors and opportunities open up for me. And so, yeah, we went down to the Ecosina 7am pretty much every morning. There was probably me and my sister were like the only girls and then there was the boys. And so we would um, scrimmage with the boys every morning before school, do workout sessions. And yeah, from then onwards, like, you know, that goal was in mind that we could make it to college. And yeah, the door opened up and we both um, went to college, which was really cool. That's awesome. Uh, it's great too. It's because having someone like a Mark Dickel, which is a big name, like you said, down here, but then also having the lights of Lisa Wellbuttons and some of the ones who have been, you've now been around as, you know, a more developed player just really goes to show that, you know, it just takes one person, especially down there. And I gotta tell you, that's having been to Dunedin a couple of times in the winter, that is commitment to show up to 7 a.m at the Edgar Center where there, at least to my knowledge, there wasn't a lot of heating. <laughs> so to have, <laughs> to be ready to go out there and, and I guess like having Brit there, did you like just kind of motivating each other? Because was that, again, kind of becoming a shared goal that you both had to, you know, yeah. go as far as you can? Yeah, no, and it was, yeah, it's great having her and my twins. Like, it's just great having her, you know, because we had each other accountable, making sure we got up in the morning, got ready to go. And it was fun. I look back at those times and, yeah, it was freezing. It was like a – I would describe it as an icebox. It's so cold in the Eagles Center. They don't turn the heaters on, except for the now the big games like the Nuggets and the Hoi Hoi, they put the heaters on. But, you know, it's in the winter, it's freezing. So, you know, it was hard work. You got your, you know, you got your long, long sleeves on. You don't take your sweatpants off, maybe not even your hoodie because it's just so cold. <laughs> See, that's dedication 101. That looks like that prepped you, though, because when you eventually 
met that goal. I want to go on into this a little bit of heading to Wyoming for your first taste of college basketball. I guess that must have prepared you a little bit with the weather, eh? Yeah. Yeah, we got to negative 25 in Wyoming. So, like, the cars wouldn't start. And I was like, oh, my goodness, this is just crazy. But, yeah, you know, back in Dunedin, we did do the um, – mainland academy so mark dickel actually i'm not sure if people know but he actually started that academy in dunedin and so i was the first one i was you know i was in the era where he first started the group in a high school gym and yeah he ran the academy and so with that academy i was actually able to go um to las vegas twice so they did like a trip where you got to go to las vegas around christmas time and get some experience about america and see what it's like and get some college scouts to come out and watch you i guess but yeah, it wasn't till my last year of high school. I wasn't even sure. Like I was, yeah, I wanted to go to college, but there wasn't really many opportunities opening up. And then the coach at the time, there was already Mary Golding. She was actually playing in Wyoming at Gillette College. And so a coach reached out through the Manland Academy, um, reached out to us and asked if we wanted to come. And so we were both like, sure, so, you know, let's give it a go. And go to a junior college first I think for me and my sister like it was a great stepping stone for us good transition can I ask a question because over a few of the seasons we've gotten to speak to a number of people who've gone to college Um, and one of the really interesting things is that some of the colleges have gone to are smaller colleges obviously like the one you went to so what was it like when you arrived in Gillette Wyoming for the first time (laughs) Uh, well, we had to, it was quite the ride. We actually had to, we had to have, catch a bus, a Greyhound bus to get, actually get to the college because there was like the flights were just not working or I don't know, it was a bit weird, but our mum was with us, so it was okay. And yeah, the college was super small. It was just the town. It was just like one long strip. It was like 30,000 people, I think. So... <laughs> I was like, wow, this is really country. Like, didn't even smaller experience country. But, you know, it was a big, like, wow, this is really a small town. But I was excited for the opportunity, you know, just to even get to this. So, you know, for me, I was like, you know, crazy that I'm at this point. And then I guess for me, when we moved into the dorms, the whole dorms situation just made it like a huge reality for me because it's like the movies. I'm moving into my dorm room, you know, like... I've got my mum here, I'm moving my bags in because you know, you see it in the movies. Even for example, when I moved to Florida, you have your moving days. It's like the movies. I tell my friends, I tell everyone, you know, all the parents come in their cars, they're helping their children, you know, um, moving into their dorm room. And so just for me it was just a surreal moment, just getting to that that point. And I was just you know, we were just really excited for the opportunity, yeah, just to be there. So one of the people we've spoken to in the past, Vanessa Panusa, spoke about her experience at Virginia Tech and going to other games at the university. And I was doing a little bit of research and I wanted to ask, did you ever go to any of the rodeos at the college rodeo ground? <laughs> yes, yes, I did. Actually, one of my teammates was in the rodeo. One of our teammates, she did basketball and rodeo. She was our point guard. And like, She's amazing. She decided actually to just focus on a rodeo because she's so good. But yeah, it was kind of crazy because I would go to the rodeo, watch them and support the team, the rodeo team, I guess you'd say. (laughs) Because there's not really, at the college, there isn't really much. It's the town, it's so small. There's not really much 
to the so you know you go along to the rodeos and but what's great is that because of the small college they had a great community and great people behind it and we got host families and today I still keep in contact with my host family and it's a different environment going to a smaller college because you create more meaningful relationships with people within the community and that also really helped me you know grow and like be more confident and just get a feel for life in America. I was going to say, because like it's, you're getting stories that nobody else can really tell. <laughs> well, I spoke to another one. She's uh, who had also gone through mainland and some other stuff. And she ended up at a junior college in Montana and they won their division title or whatever. And apparently the town, which is probably the size of what you were describing Gillette or maybe a little bit smaller, like they all pushed them up on fire trucks. <laughs> And had a whole parade because you know it was the event of the town. Yeah, um, like that. Yeah, I mean that's, that's similar for us when we had our photo day. I was like, okay, like I would assume we'll be taking our photos in the basketball gym, or but no, they're like, no, we're going to the mines. So they had um, the coal mine. So we went and like took photos beside the big yellow coal mining trucks, and you know went out out there with our hard hats. I was like, oh. God. Okay, <laughs> so that was just quite interesting. And then one of the funny, well, not funny, but I guess, so we have our Christmas break, right? And it's very far for me to come home and you only have a few weeks off or I can't even remember, not that very long. So um, my teammate was from Montana. So I went to her ranch and I worked with her family on their ranch for Christmas, which was like quite a cool experience. And you know, we had to earn our way by work on the ranch. Mum would make us breakfast in the morning, wake up early and, you know, start moving the cows and everyone. You know? So that was quite an experience too, just yeah, being in that so small community. You're living your version of an American movie. <laughs> so it must yeah. have been a really big culture shock going from Wyoming to Florida. Yeah. Yeah, it was yeah a huge, huge culture shock. I have been to other places in America, but I was so excited because I was like, yay, I can finally have a summer because, you know, I would go to Gillette and it would be winter and then I'd go back to New Zealand for the America summer break, but in New Zealand it's winter. So I was just super stoked that I could actually have a summer in Florida and, yeah, Florida was just a huge flip. It was, um, I went to a liberal art college, so it was very free-spirited, as I would like to put it. It's very different. But, yeah, the experiences are, are just, like, polar opposites completely. Like, yeah. <laughs> how was that switch, though, transitioning? Because everyone has their own transfer experience. But how was it for you going there and, you know, integrating that team culture, which ultimately you, you ended up doing really well? Both yeah. as a team. So can you just talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I'm not going to lie. The, the first week, I was a mess. I was crying lots. Well, there was two big things that happened in my first week of moving there. First was that it's the first time I've ever been apart from my twin sister. We had When we were getting recruited, we both wanted to go to the same college, but for circumstances, it didn't work out. And so she chose this place in Alaska, so that was just like, we both went so far from each other. So for starters, that was just really tough for me because I relied on her for a lot of things. And she's a bit more independent than I was at the time. 
And so, yeah, that struggle, just being apart from each other was just really hard for me. But, like, in hindsight, like, looking back, it was so good for me because I was able to learn to be without her and, like, grow so much in myself, learn more about myself because I was away from her and my confidence kind of grew as a player. And then the second thing that happened was that, I'm not sure if you guys remember, but Hurricane Irma, it it was coming for us. So, like, I literally had been there, like, two days. And then two days in the college, I think, I was getting my books and stuff ready for school. And then they said, you have to evacuate. And I was like, what? Like, I've just made my room nicely. I set up everything. And they're like, no, you you have to leave. My teammates were like, okay, I'm driving to these places. And I was like, well, what am I going to do? Like, I don't know what I should do. But um, the college ended up figuring out that my college is very international. So they had a lot of athletes that actually didn't have a place to go. So um, I had to bunker up my room. I flipped my cupboard around. I like took everything off the walls, like because I didn't know like if the tree was gonna come into my room and smash everything. I because we're right by the waters <laughs> and there was a tree right outside my room, so I was like, "Golly, I don't know what's gonna happen." So I had to, you know, sort out my room. Um, and then yeah, they took us. Ended up taking us inland a bit in Florida to like a resort. It was so nice, a resort. <laughs> resort that <laughs> yeah it's just, around. yeah but when the hurricane happened we actually had to go down underground to this like big massive I guess meeting room where we stayed for two nights it was creepy it was it was interesting because you had everyone there was one with pets and there was a room without animals and people but there was no space in the one with without animals so we were with the pets so you could imagine them just barking and it was just chaotic yeah it was crazy yeah so it was just like quite the whirlwind of you know moving to Florida and then hurricane and yeah it was quite the experience to start off my college in Florida you, you, you obviously got the whole Florida experience there and yeah. you know f- for anybody who's who's listening that doesn't know where Eckerd College is, it's not in what Australians traditionally think of as Florida, which is, you know, the Miami side of Florida. It's on the Gulf Coast side, very close to Tampa. Yeah. So it's like 40 minutes, 40 minute drive to Tampa, I think. Yeah. yeah. So it's just, again, my curiosity was the school a big football school as well or? No, so we because it was a small, it was a smaller college. We didn't have football. Um, we had baseball. We had a sailing team, golf team, but we also had which was I'm not going to try and boast too much, but because it was a private school, we actually had a private beach on campus. So we're literally, <laughs> <laughs> we're literally right on right on the beach. We you know like I would go sit in a hammock. I got a hammock. I would. Um, you know, tie my hammock up on these palm trees and sit there and read my readings for college. Yeah. That sounds like my life. <laughs> yeah. I was looking back, I was like, wow, I was, I mean, I knew I was so fortunate at the time, but yeah, it was, yeah, great. <laughs> Private beach on campus, what a concept. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and you're in New Zealand with all the beaches. I can do, I can go there. <laughs> Yeah, no, it was great. And you could rent out paddle boards, kayaks, everything for free, canoeing gear, like anything. They had like a, a boating area where um, they had all this yeah, beach equipment that 
you know, camping gear. You could all hire it out. And, yeah, it was, yeah, really fun. I made the most of it when I had free time. <laughs> I would imagine so. Yeah. <laughs> you did the preseason workouts. Did you get out on the beach and get to kind of mix it up a little bit? Yeah, I wasn't a fan of those because we did use we use the beach as our workout. So we would do preseason, we would have beach workouts, or we would be on the field. However, we would you know if we had eighty in class, then you actually didn't have time to go back and actually shower before class. So I would sometimes, I mean, there were outside showers, but you know, you can't get that sand off you. And so sometimes I would be going into class sandy and okay because you didn't you didn't have time. You had to, you know, I had a bike, so I would bike to class. It would be quite a tight squeeze. They would give you enough time, but it wasn't enough time to get breakfast and get to class so, and get have a shower. So sometimes I had to go just okay. I felt so bad for the people that were not athletes in the class. They didn't understand, like, you know, we just have workout. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't like the beach workouts when I had early morning class. But other mornings it was good because, you know, you got to see the sunrise and, yeah, it's really pretty being right on the water. But, yeah, going to class in sand was not fun. <laughs> can only imagine. <laughs> So you're you're going through all these things, and you transition to another team, and which ended up going, you I believe you started at least one of your games, and then you ended up playing in all of them uh, during your time there. Do I have that correct? Yeah. And if I don't, yeah. and if we spell that off, I feel so bad. <laughs> no, that's right. Yeah. So my sophomore year that I arrived, I didn't start. I had a player um, in the team that was a post player, so she started over me. But the one game I did start. It was quite funny because I wasn't mentally prepared to start because she always started. And for some reason, my assistant coach put me down by accident. And so I started the game and I literally did the tip. And I was just like this because I just wasn't expected to start. And then they subbed me out right away because they were they wanted to keep, you know, the rotate of that. And that was fine because I, I was, you know, for me, my sophomore year, it was a great year to be you know, coming off the bench, I did play a lot of minutes. Like, it didn't matter if I started. I still ended up playing, like, yeah. I think maybe 20 minutes a game. So we kind of split the minutes anyways. But, yeah, it was at first when I was, you know, learning the offense that our coach runs at the Princeton offense, it's a lot. And he's crafted it for so long that it takes – there's so many different layers for us to learn – and so when I first there, I was just like, oh, my goodness, like, this is crazy what he's teaching us. I was quite overwhelmed. And so, you know, the first bit, it was really hard for me to get into the swing of things. But once I understand the offense and, like, what he wants as a coach, like, the whole team just gelled, especially my junior, senior year. My senior year was, like, the pinnacle. Like, everyone in the team was on the same page. Like, when you have that and everyone has the same common goals – the year before, we lost in the conference championship game. So we, my senior year, we knew that we wanted to, you know, have revenge. You know, we wanted to win overall. And so we were all had the same common goal. And so it was just really cool to see the development over the years of just understanding the offense, but then understanding what each player can bring to the team and how, you know, we can all work together. Because I, I would just be playing and I would just pass the ball and I knew that my teammate was going to be in that spot and they were going to hit the shot. 
And so I've never had that before in any team. And so just to have that camaraderie within the team was really cool. And I loved, like, I love my coach. He was amazing. Yeah, and it's special when you develop as a team to get to that point. And no matter what, it's not like there was, everyone had a role. Uh, so I was actually just yeah. at a session with, with the coach from, a basketball coach from the U.S. And he had come, he's down here in New Zealand doing a bunch of courses on training coaches and stuff. And one thing he just tries to emphasize was, you know, make sure everybody's got a role because everything that, you know, everything that people do matters. You know, it doesn't matter if you're coming off the bench, if you're starting, you know, even if it didn't to the major stuff, like you said, you know, you can throw a pass to your teammate and, you know, she'll be right there to catch it. Um, so there is nothing yeah. smaller. And so to win the conference title your senior year. Yeah. Yeah. That was very yeah. surreal. Yeah, it was, especially for me, because the year before, you know, we were in the championship game and actually it, I felt like a weight on my shoulder because I actually was a player that missed the, well, we had the inbound, there was about two seconds left and the year before, and I overshot the layout. It was a perfect pass. I was, the defense was there, but like I could have made it, you know? And so that whole feeling, I, I felt like I let the team down, like, I know my teammates remember that that whole scenario because some of them are still like are frustrated that they never won. But yeah, like I missed the shot, I missed the lap, so I just felt terrible, you know, because I knew how much it meant to the team and to us. And so for me personally, as a player, it really hit me hard that we had lost, and it was right in our hands. And so my senior year, I was like, I'm not going to let this happen. We're going to get the championship, you know. So to win the championship at the team that we were playing at, at their home, um, which was in Tampa, was just a, like a, a huge thing for our college. And like, we had all our supporters running onto the court. Like it was just, it's like the best experience basketball-wise, like a, winning a championship I've ever felt. So it was, yeah, really cool experience for me. It's special to having that kind of group. As you said, I'm curious, with an international school, like you had previously said about Eckerd, what was kind of the makeup of your team? Obviously, you're coming from New Zealand. Did you have other international students on your team as well? Yeah. Yeah. So, actually, my coach recruits small. So, we actually only had nine players. Some players fell through. Yeah. So, it's not intentional, but he's very picky about what type of players he wants. And um, I guess we're lucky we didn't have any season-ending injuries, but seven out of our nine players were international. So to say that, yeah, he loves yeah international students. I mean, you know, I've had teammates from Israel, Turkey, Finland, Spain, um, you name it. Like throughout my whole experience there, I would say majority of the team was always international. So, you know, you always bond with those international players as well because, you know, you're far from home. You don't, you know, most of us would go home for Christmas. So you were able to, you know, bond as well in that sense. And it's a different playing in America. So everyone's just, you know, when you first come, it's just so surreal. And it's a huge adjustment as well, playing from just how intense it is in America. Just getting the whole scouting report, you know, the whole game day routine, like it was just a whole ordeal, which it was great, like great experience. And I loved it. But it was just a huge stepping stone and change up when you first arrived. So it was cool that, as a senior as well, I was able to help those 
you know, younger international players come in and kind of pave the way for them so that they could succeed in the system as well, which was cool. Yeah, 100%. And to know, you know, to have somebody there being international can be tough at times, I'm sure. And so to have someone like yourself or at least your teammates just to kind of be able to relate to is such a big part because then having that comfort outside of the, you know, outside of the team environment then bringing it back onto the court, it seemed like everything really gelled. Yeah. Uh, they kind of had a family vibe, sort of kind of what I guess what you would get down here, what you, what you know from back home. Yeah. I mean, well, in my instance at my college, you know, you were in the dorm and it was a small dorm and strong dorm room and you had your teammate, you're both living, like there's no space, like you've got your bed, they've got the bed right there. My college wasn't big, like there was some apartments you could live in. But everyone pretty much lived in like a single room as such, dorm room. So, you know, you really got to know your teammates well and you would have breakfast with them, breakfast, lunch, dinner, you know. So you're just living with them 24-7 and it's family. And, you know, now I'm living in Luxembourg and one of my teammates, American teammates, was playing in Amsterdam. So I went to Amsterdam to visit her. I had a teammate in Spain. I went to visit her for Christmas in Spain. So it's actually been so cool that I'm over here in Europe now because now I'm actually... Um, COVID ended our season, unfortunately, and so we didn't actually get to say goodbyes properly. It was kind of just like a rush goodbye, and so it's actually been super nice. I've been able to catch up with my teammates from college over here, so it's yeah, quite surreal. In relation to the whole college thing, because you you said that the game day experience and the the prep for a game was very different. How did you feel that the the prep that you went through with college? helped you with preparation for Tall Ferns and the Asia Cup? Yeah, for me, like, the prep days is, you know, I was just in high school where it was just kind of like, yeah, you go to the game. But, like, here it's a whole, you know, in America it was a whole thing. So, you know, waking up in the morning, you know, you knew you had to have a good breakfast, a good meal before you played. And I wasn't kind of really aware of that too much in New Zealand like I was, but I wasn't to the extent, like, how much it has an impact on you. And then knowing your personnel, knowing who you're guarding, like watching film, I never did any of that in New Zealand. And so I think things have changed since then. A lot has changed since I was in high school. We never kept stats in high school. Like I never looked at my stats in high school. And so a lot's changed since then. But in regards to tall friends, you know, it was a huge step. But I did feel more prepared because I had those experiences in college, you know, having a scouting report you know, having a big training camp, which is kind of like pre-season, not just pre-season when you're doing heaps of running, but like, you know, going through the motions of what a game day was like, I felt more yeah prepared and understanding what the team is expected and how, it's, how you're going to warm up. Like you've got all this preparation that you need to do in order for you to perform. And all those things really do help. And so I'm really thankful that I went to college and had those or else I wouldn't be where I am today. I'm curious too, it's you just outlined all the prep for the game and making sure you're physically ready. I've been curious about getting you ready like on the mental side because that's been a big conversation now that's been going around. Is how did I guess what was the mindset shift for you coming going to college and then that step up to international basketball? Because that's have been that's that have been a lot different. Yeah. I mean for me I don't have the typical tall fern or typical way of getting into the system. 
I'm not sure if you guys know, but like I never made a selection for a New Zealand representative team ever growing up. And so I had no idea what to expect. And so it was, when was it? 2019. Um, I was playing in the WBC league and I, I was having a really good season and we were at the final tournament and I got the call up out of the blue. I had this number on my phone calling me and I was like, who is this number? And it was Guy Malloy. And he asked, he was like, oh, you know, we have this player that's been injured and can't come to the trip that they were going over to Japan and Taiwan with the tour for it. And he asked if I wanted to come. <laughs> and so we're leaving in a week. Are you available? And so like, I was like, yes, I'm available. Oh my gosh. Like that was, <laughs> I was just like, what? Because I'd never, you know, I've never had any, I never went to a camp or anything for New Zealand. For me, I was kind of like, not thrown in the deep end, but you know, it was to be in the tour for us, that's always been my dream, my goal. And to be asked to call up was just craziness. I was just, I was in unbelief that I was getting this call right now. And so, you know, mentally for me going into that, I was just quite overwhelmed that I was even asked. And so it was really, it was challenging. I'm not going to lie. It was really mentally, really challenging and daunting. Because, you know, I always looked up to Panina Davison and here's Panina Davison right in front of me and I'm her teammate. And I was like, well, this is, yeah. But Mary Golding was um, also in the team. And so it was really nice that I had her because I played in college with her. And so we were able to bond together. But, you know, I'm not going to lie, mentally it was challenging. But, you know, those older girls really did help me, kind of show me the way and how they do things. And so then when I got the Asia Cup opportunity, I felt way more prepared because I kind of knew the system, knew how they were doing things. And so, yeah, mentally I felt much better going into that time because I kind of knew what was expected, how it was going to run. But then it was also daunting because that was COVID time. And so the idea of going into quarant well, I had done quarantine, so I kind of knew what to expect in that sense. But it was the unknown of going over to Jordan, what it's going to be like with COVID. I didn't know, like, and that whole experience was so different as well to my other experience with tour friends because we couldn't just leave the hotel or go on the streets. We pretty much had to stay in our hotel room if we weren't practicing. So that was a whole different experience as well. Yeah. Wow. And saying it's like. <laughs> being thrown to something completely different but yeah just look like you said you looked up to Panina and some of these other girls like and being able to step out on the floor with them just do you remember and this is actually something I'm interested in do you remember who did the jersey presentation for you when you debuted yeah I just (laughs) crazy but it was Michaela Cox she presented me my jersey yeah I have a photo like she's she was the one that gave me my jersey so like even that is just surreal because you know like I've always known her like and to just to be on the t- on the bus with them talking with her and Stella Beck Stella Beck is so lovely super sweet I never thought that I would ever be in the position of being their teammates and so yeah it was you know just being with them was just super surreal and yeah I felt very honored that she was giving me my jersey yeah see so, yeah, that's one of the traditions that I enjoy I enjoy most about watching those tours is seeing the the stuff that comes out of the jersey presentation was just seems like I remember seeing the photos from that I think it was the William Jones Cup when you first went over yeah. it. Just to see the genuine smile on your face and like you could tell it's like it's a girl dream coming true in action. Yeah. 
it's just like so surreal. It's like a huge honor, like to represent your country and to be in the tour for it, like the highest team, you know, it's just um yeah, super surreal and just a flow of emotions because you know, that's always the peak of what you would like to do is to, you know, make the national team and to be there was just super yeah. I was just very um thankful and crazy experience that I've had these opportunities and like so many doors have opened up for me and you know like when I'm looking back like who would have thought Zoe in high school would be playing for the tall friends like that was in my wildest dreams I never thought like it would actually happen and that I would have all these opportunities because I was always I was always a quiet basketball player like no one really knew me people knew of me but it wasn't like oh she's a standout player and so, um, yeah, it's crazy that how things have changed now and um, how many doors and opportunities have opened up for me. Yeah, absolutely. And just to see you grow more and more, and because obviously the more exposure you get, the more people will know your name. But I mean, in New Zealand, it's pretty easy, you know, very well. Yeah. It's such a small place that people, you know, and the kids who will, who just get repeatedly talked about, you know, they get a lot of exposure. But that doesn't mean those kids who don't necessarily always aren't always in the limelight or don't make a New Zealand camp. Like that doesn't mean they can't do something, and they can't be great. And that's kind of like those are the kids that I want to inspire because I'm just like it doesn't matter for me. I know when I was their age, I was like, you know, you always have those people on your team who are the ones getting the limelight. And will I ever be good enough? Am I ever going to be recognised for my hard work? Because you know. When I was in high school, some kids, they weren't putting in the hours that I was putting in, but they were getting all the recognition. For me, it was like, I know some players would just give up, but I was like, no, I'm not going to let this stop me. I'm going to push myself to be a better basketball player. And I gained the respect of players, for sure. Once I came back from college, I gained the respect of a lot of players. Not that I didn't have it before. No, I didn't really have it before. (laughs) When, you know, like I wanted to prove everyone wrong that you didn't have to be the best player to get these opportunities and it, it's all comes from within so yeah so take a minute that's a wonderful message um and just because i've got to say now it's from the games that i've seen you are a fan favorite especially at home <laughs> because seeing all the little girls that are running up to you i mean it's like you're literally inspiring them and you've got and two it seems like there's been a lot of involvement with former tall friends giving back down there Wonder, did you have, because you heard Michaela's name, you heard Panina's name, did you have anybody when you were growing up that you kind of looked up to and now that you're kind of like in their shoes? Yeah. So I remember going, I think it's just surreal. I remember going to the Gold Rush Games when I was younger and um, watching Samara, Sammy G, Samara play. Yeah. And I was actually talking to my sister on the phone yesterday and I was like, and Janet Main. I was just like, it's just so surreal because when I was younger, I always looked up to Susie Bates, Samara, and Casey Lockwood. I'm not sure if you know her, but she was American import at the time, and she did some one-on-one sessions with me. So she really helped me develop my shot. But those are the players that I looked up to, and it's crazy that now I'm playing with Samara and, like, I'm her teammate, and, like... (laughs) Because I always looked up to her. She was just always up there. And, yeah, I always looked up to her. And Janet Main, I used to just go up, you know, watch those guys play. And now I'm playing with them. And, actually, I did – when I first started playing for the Gold Rush, I was in a training squad. So I was in a training squad with Samara and Janet and Susie Bates. 
but I was just like the little shy girl from high school. Like they wouldn't, you know, no one would know who I am or they would pass me the ball, but I'd just pass it back. And so um, we did have a gold rush practice game. And since then I hadn't played with Susie Bates, but Susie Bates decided to suit up and um, play in like a friendly game. And it was, it was so cool seeing Sammy and Susie play with each other. And then I was on their team and they were passing me the ball and they wanted me to shoot the ball. Like, I was just like, it's crazy how it's changed from when I was a little girl to now I'm actually playing with them. And, and now I actually play with Samara. So that was just really cool. Just and see the yeah. joy. And I, I got to ask, is, has Sammy G always had that energy? That yeah. she, she's got that smile. And I encourage yeah. everyone to go and at least follow her or look at, you know, look at her work. Because she is, she just brings, she's my spirit animal is what I say. Like she just brings the energy. She brings the hype. But she seems also just very welcoming. And she's just the nicest human yeah. being. Oh, she's super sweet. Like her presence, when she enters the room, it's just wow. She's super sweet, so friendly. She brings like this family, I don't know what the word is, but like she cultivates everyone to draw everyone together and like just playing with her. It's just so fun and easy. And yeah, she's always so lighthearted and funny and yeah, I didn't really, like I knew of her, but I didn't know her that well. And so seeing the side of her and how she really just wants the best for everyone around her and really wants the the team goal and everyone to do well, like she's super sweet. And, you know, like last season playing for Hoi Hoi, it wasn't easy, you know. We, we won one game the whole season. And so, yeah, I had a few <laughs> breakdowns because it was just like, what is going on? But she was always there and would pull after a few games, I was – crying in the locker room because I was just like oh my gosh what is going on and she was always there to comfort me and always there to you know have my back and she always wanted the best for me you know hey Zoe when are you going to the gym let's put up some shots you know like she's a team I want everyone to have because she's amazing yeah that'd be tough I mean it's the circumstances for what they were you know all things considered I would consider what you guys had as a victory you know because there's stuff that wasn't necessarily in your control but yeah. seeing whatever came out of it, it's that, you know, every, including the imports, it seemed like they assimilated nicely, that you pulled together what you had and you did the best. And there was just, again, like there was a lot of stuff that we didn't see. Like you yeah. were describing, but that's, and for what it meant to women's basketball to put on that kind of a show, like it doesn't, like the results at the end don't matter. Like to speak yeah. to how, you know, people you are, to have that opportunity, you know, it's so great. Yeah, and yeah, like you said, a lot of stuff, not even that happened on the court. There was a lot of things that happened behind closed doors that I can't really discuss. But And that happened right at the start of the season. And so it just it made it really challenging for us to get on a good first step to even start the season off. And so it was a really challenging season, I'm not going to lie. It was, it was really tolling and the season was quite short, but there's a lot of games. And so, you know, you're not doing so well. And it's like boom, boom, boom. you got game after game. And yeah, it was really hard for us. But one of the good things was what Sammy brought was that she brought a lot of spirit to the team and um, really kind of tried to lift everyone up and in those challenging times. And, you know, that sense of community, Dunedin's such a small town, you have that sense of community. And so it was cool that, you know, people still come to our games and um, we can inspire the little ones. Even they don't care about the score, you know, they care about seeing them you guys out on the court and so also for me as you know like I'm I was assistant early childhood teacher and so I would be away from work quite a lot 
I would come back to the preschool and the kids wouldn't care. They would still love me. They wouldn't care if I won or lost. They're like, how was your basketball? You went to Auckland. How was the plane ride? And that's so, you know, I was like, oh, yeah, the plane ride. Also. You know, I'd tell them, you know, we hopped on and I would give them my stories and they would just love that whole experience. And so I felt loved by them because it didn't matter I was able to take my mind off basketball at the early childhood because I could put that behind and then I could focus on these kids. And I loved that I could have the balance of doing both. It was really challenging, but also so rewarding as well. I want to jump in and ask you a couple of questions here because you've been in the Tauhi League, which is a whole new experience for, for women's basketball in New Zealand. But you've also played in the NBL one, with the Rockingham Flames, and you're in Luxembourg at the moment. I'd really like to get an idea of, from your perspective, the differences that you see between the NBL1 and what you're currently experiencing in Luxembourg and how you see the Tauhi League developing women's basketball in New Zealand. Yeah, so so the NBL1 League, so when I went and played in that I think that was the first year that they actually had like the huge they've really broadcasted it a lot and so there was quite a lot of excitement in the team and within the league and so for me they had a really high standard of um they seemed like a well-oiled machine especially Rockingham Flames they had a great fan base behind them you know the coaches the staff like everyone was just on the same page and no matter where we went to our games, like everyone kind of had that same common goal of like men's and women's pushing out the women's league and the men's league. And it was cool to see some New Zealand players playing in the league. And it's a very competitive competition. You know, you have these, I thought it was really cool. You have these WNBL players that actually want to come and play in the NBL one league in their off season as such and make you better. And so, you know, for me in trainings, you know, I was playing against Ella, Shepatoni, Taya Burrows, those girls were in my team. And so, you know, to just have different players and playing against WNBL players was really good exposure and experience for me as well because um, you'd be playing against other teams in, in the league that had WNBL players. And so I found it always a challenge that I was going to, you know, play hard when I'm playing against those players. And so I really liked that aspect of the NBL one league is that you got to play against those high caliber players. And then then flipping a bit to Luxembourg, it's quite different role for me as a player. So with playing in Australia, there was a lot of players, a really high standard of players. Everyone was, yeah, solid. But coming to Luxembourg, there's a huge role that's put on the imports. And so the level of that, you have two imports, you know, you've got to perform. Those are narrowed focus. And for me, like I'm quite a team player. And so coming to Luxembourg, playing, you know, I did struggle quite a lot at the start, getting my aspect around that I'm the main player. That's my role. And I know it all happened really quickly. Actually signing to come here, it happened within 48 hours. So I didn't have much time to process this whole, the whole move and coming here. And so, um, yeah, mentally it's been challenging, especially at the start. But as the league has progressed, as the times progressed, I've kind of understand my role within the team more, where my shots are, and you know, getting perspective on basketball in general, and understanding that when you play for different teams, your role changes, and it's different on what coaches want for you. And so, for this experience being here in Luxembourg, I play the five position. 
that I'm not your typical five. Like I've got a really good shot. And so, you know, my coach wants me to shoot the three ball. And so there's a lot of opportunity that I've had within the team that I've been able to step out and shoot the three ball. And so I've gained a lot of confidence within my three-point shooting since being here and learned a lot since being here. And so, yeah, getting perspective and seeing that each team that you play for, it changes, your role changes. And then the whole schedule is different as well. It's quite a drawn out. It was quite a long season over here compared to the Ta'ihi League, which is really quick. Then you have the NBL one, which is like, I would say that's quite a good solid, I like that time frame of the league and the Australian League. And then you have the European League, which is quite long. Yeah, it's quite different. And then the New Zealand League. I really love how I was part of the first team ever to be paid. I feel like that's such a huge honour for me. And then also, I'm so thankful for the players before me that paved the way for me to even get to this experience because I wouldn't be here without them. And so there's just like a huge... I feel so empowered when I'm out on the court because of there's so much history behind me getting to this place and so I love that in New Zealand they're really pushing for empowering women and the women's basketball game and it's kind of really given these players way more exposure um, and they've really lifted the standard and I know that the players who are in high school now they have so many opportunities and so many doors are going to open for them just from what the league is doing and you know my goal is to always inspire those younger generation because I remember when I was a little kid going to the games and so yeah I just love playing it's really cool to be playing in my home team last season and seeing the kids come up to me after the game and yeah it's really surreal so like each experience has been super different but they all have the key takeaways and um yeah throughout this you've mentioned WNBL players and the WNBL yeah and you've spoken about Australia as being a place to be mm-hmm do you see yourself trying to get into the WNBL? Yeah, for sure. That's always been like a goal of mine. Goal of mine was always to come to Europe or the WNBL. And so, you know, um, I'm very grateful that I've come to Europe. I've had that experience. But yeah, I'm open to seeing what the future holds and what doors open up for Australia again. You know, like I'm, yeah, open to seeing what happens. <laughs> Yeah, no, it'll be really cool, you know, if that if those doors and opportunities open up. But yeah, we'll see what happens. Okay, so for any coaches in the WNBL who are listening, who are looking for a five who can drop a three ball, uh-huh. you know who to call. <laughs> Speaking about those goals and going to WNBL, I'm curious if you could write to tell your your younger self something, you know, advice mm-hmm. or whatever it is. What would you say to her? And then what would you say? to the kids who are seeing your story play out right now because you do have, you know, you still have a lot of goals, but you've accomplished so much and you didn't take the traditional pathway. So that you show you can still do it and you can do it well and you have. Yeah. Yeah. I guess kind of reiterating on what I kind of said before is that you don't have to, to myself when I was younger, like I'm so proud that I put in the hard work and then I put in those extra hours, but like, you don't have to have coaches, people bringing you out to the court. It all starts from within. And you've got to have that passion and drive. And, yeah, you get knocked back a few steps. But, like, keep pushing forward and know that, you know, anything's possible if you put your mind to it and you put in the hard work. You will eventually get recognized. And 
yeah, I just want to reiterate that there's so many opportunities. You don't have to take the traditional pathway. You don't have to go to college. There's, there's different opportunities, different ways of doing things. But as long as you're having fun, that's the main important thing that I would say, making sure that you're having fun and that you're doing it for you, not for anyone else, but for you, and that anything can happen if you put your mind to it. Now, Zoe, we always sort of go to an unscripted question. And and the fact that you're in Luxembourg is really good. Yeah. Because I want to ask you, having been in Luxembourg for a while now, if you were a tour guide, what would you tell people are the things to see in Luxembourg? Things to see in Luxembourg. Okay. So Luxembourg... It's a very small, like people get confused. It's a really small country and it takes like 40 minutes just to drive the whole country. So it's kind of crazy. <laughs> so I think Luxembourg's known for is their castles. There's a castle called Vienda and um, yeah, it's really cool just to see the different castles in Luxembourg. There's, I don't know, 30, no, there must be more than 30. I haven't been to all the castles. Like there's so many castles in Luxembourg. <laughs> So I would recommend going to the castles and there's in the city, there's the old town of Luxembourg and like you can see the old wall and it's quite, you know, Luxembourg is very modern. It's about a very like clean, green country. And so going into the city and seeing like the old part of Luxembourg is really cool. Um, Those are kind of like the main things that I would say to visit Luxembourg. Yeah. Okay. And, What's the national dish? What's the, the dish that, that Luxembourg is famous? That's actually something I was going to ask. Uh, I have no idea. No, I'm neither curious. do I. That's why I'm asking. <laughs> um, National dish. I don't think I've had the national – because Luxembourg, it's very um, – you have the French part, you also have German. Like There's so many surrounding countries, and so – it's very diverse area, especially in the city. There's um, a lot of international people that actually don't are from Luxembourg, like a lot of people come into the city. So I actually haven't really had the traditional national dish or a special dish, but I'm pretty sure the men's import, he went to a family's house and they they had like some raw meat, I think, with some bread and like some other dishes that you can dip things in. I think something like that, but I, to be honest, I haven't really had a traditional Luxembourgish meal. What I would say though, I do coach um, the kids, and no one speaks English, so it's a real challenge <laughs> coaching these these kids. I coach like five year olds, five to seven year olds that don't speak English, <laughs> and so at Christmas time, actually, we did do this thing where they they had this Christmas. Santa Claus. It's not Santa Claus. Oh, what's it called? Anyways, he comes in and the kids the kids get a gift from him and it was like this pastry. It looks like a gingerbread man, but it's like this quite a dense sweet bread dipped in chocolate and that was really good. So <laughs> maybe that's the <laughs> maybe that's dish that they have here. <laughs> yeah. I'm curious for the other for all the other travel that you've done around Europe. Yeah. Well that dishes sound delicious. Um, is, there, how many, is there other, what other kind of, I guess, local cuisines around Europe that you've tried that you've really liked? Um, well, I just went to Italy, so I had um, last weekend, so it was really cool. I had the pasta, 
Um, that was really delicious. Where else did I go? I'm trying to think. Oh, Sorry, I'm just trying to think I, of sorry. the places. Oh, the Belgium waffles. Amazing to die for. I have such a board of all the stuff. <laughs> now, I, I just wanted to ask: while you were in Holland, you know, Amsterdam, did you try Dutch licorice? I didn't. I did not try the Dutch licorice. No. Oh, okay. I was just, I was just curious because it's one of those things that really people either love it or hate it. Yeah. There is no middle ground on this one. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I did not try it. Yeah, I tried this. Oh, what was it called? It was this pastry thing that they had in Holland. I have to ask my friend what it was called, but it was so good. It was a savoury pastry thing that they had there, and they sell them at the basketball games. I don't know what it was called, but it was really good. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah it's <laughs> but it's quite different. It sounds yummy. <laughs> it was yummy. I was like, wow, this is really good. <laughs> But I do have a sweet tooth, so whenever I go to these places, like I try and get something sweet. Um, I love my sweet things. <laughs> but yeah, it's so easy to travel. So I lo- I love that um, I can yeah go visit all these countries. Are right, you know, I can drive to quite a few of these countries. But also, it's so cheap to travel. So when I have an off weekend or um, yeah, just a few days off back to back, then I'm like. Where am I going? Where am I heading to? <laughs> okay. Zoe, I really want to thank you so much for joining us this morning, your time. It's been great hearing about your journey. It's been great hearing about your passion for the game. And we're going to really be keeping an eye out to see how you go in Europe, in Tawihi League, and you know NBL1, and maybe we'll get to see you in the WNBL soon as well. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on your podcast and letting me um, yeah, share a bit about my experience and yeah, where I am today. So, yeah, thank you so much for having me. No problem. And, Lyndon, again, thanks coming to us from New Zealand and giving our listeners an opportunity to get a view into basketball in New Zealand. Yeah, I want to say once again thank you guys for the opportunity to do it um, and to really just – yeah, I, I love getting to connect with everyone and share the stories because that is my mission and my main goal. And this one's special because Zoe I, Zoe was actually one of the first players that I met in person when I first came down here. And so to I've known her for a little bit now. And so to be sitting with her today has been really cool. And just to see how much you've grown. And so just looking forward to, you know, continuing to do more and, you know, hopefully do more pods like these. Great. Thanks so much, guys. Shooting the Breeze can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast with all your friends.